If you could share one big idea to change the future of education, what would it be? In our One Big Idea series on Future of School, the podcast, we'll hear from a diverse array of education stakeholders, from parents and educators to longtime industry leaders who will share their bold proposals to transform teaching and learning in the United States. Together, we'll amplify one another's unique perspectives, consider new solutions, and above all, make sure every voice is included in the conversation. Welcome to a very special episode of Future of School, the podcast, One Big Idea. This is a series where we bring on guests who have a vision for transforming education through their ideas. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Andrew Campanella, president of National School Choice Week. Andrew, thank you for being here. It is such a pleasure to join you, Amy, and uh, talk with everybody here. Happy School Choice Week. That's a great place to start before we uncover or unveil your one big idea. Can you share with our listeners, what is National School Choice Week? Absolutely. So National School Choice Week is an organization and our team works year round to develop and provide and promote the nation's largest portfolio of school search resources for families so that parents can navigate their public, charter, magnet, private, online, and home education options. We also work with 26,000 schools of all types and with homeschool groups to plan a week of celebrations and commemorations every January. The goal is to raise broad national awareness of the benefits of having school choices and opportunity in education. And it's also a great starting point for families to start looking at schools and education options for their kids if they wanna make a change for the next school year. So we've been doing this now 12 years and we've worked with millions of families and hundreds of thousands of schools. And we're very excited to enter our 12th year with an unprecedented level of parent interest in school choice and more families exercising their options now than really at any other time in history. So incredibly well said. And I did have one side question, putting myself with the hat of our listeners, which you answered, which was people might think that National School Choice Week is an organization that emerged when the pandemic hit in 2020, when more parents started understanding that there are options in education. So the fact that you've been around for 12 years gives us something to explore and think about as it relates to every child deserves the pathway that best suits them for learning for their ultimate success in life. That is exactly right. And what you just said there, their ultimate success in life is at the core of what we do, because we want parents to be able to choose learning environments, regardless of what type of schools or learning environments they choose, that they believe their kids will thrive in environments that will best meet their child's interests, needs, talents, challenges, and prepare their kids for real-world, long-term success. And when we ask parents what they are most looking for in a school or learning environment, they tell us the highest percentage they want schools to help prepare their kids to succeed in real life. So I could not agree more with 
the way you encapsulated what we do. Now, what will be your big idea that will transform education in our country and beyond? I'm going to say this and people are going to say, well, that doesn't have anything to do with education, but really it does. The big idea I have today for transforming education and really transforming our country is kindness. It is compassion. It is thinking before you put something online that could offend someone. It is approaching discussions about K-12 education, recognizing that each and every one of us comes to this issue with a unique and diverse viewpoint, and that instead of fighting and disagreeing and scoring points in the short term, let's try to better understand each other in the long term. Because when we recognize that everyone is unique, everybody is different, and everybody's experiences are valid, we're more likely to understand and recognize that we need to provide as many options for families as possible, and we need to do it together. As people working together, not always agreeing on specific policies, but with the same goal in mind of a quality education for kids, of options and opportunities for families, of opportunities also for educators, and with the growth and success of communities top of mind as well. I see too often people trying to score short-term gains and points by hitting at their perceived enemies instead of trying to find common ground. If we continue down this path as a country, whether it's when it comes to education or any other issue, we will see less progress, we will see less collegiality, we will see fewer people able to engage in meaningful and productive discourse, less neighborly conduct. We need to recognize the humanity in our neighbors. I have about... 170 comments right now. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to get myself focused because what you said is so incredibly powerful. And at the same time, it's something that's easy to forget, right? I mean, one thing we talk about at future of school related to education is, and you, you said this precisely, education is personal, right? How many times have you, have we heard somebody say, well, I had to walk uphill both way with my, you know, barring my brother's shoes and I turned out just fine. So these kids, they need to, you know, they need to just hunker down. They need to just accept it for what it is. When, how can we not address kindness? How can we not address equity and compassion and equality and all of those things in our schools? There's a, there, it's, it's almost as if the system is crying for it and our country is crying for it. Because times have changed, right? That one size fits all, one schoolhouse when we were first a nation, that served a purpose then. But since then, we've evolved and we owe it to our children to build systems and in learning environments that reflect that, that honor their uniqueness. Exactly. And you know what? I think it often takes just stepping back when you hear a different opinion or a different perspective and thinking, you know what? I never thought of it that way. Or it's interesting that somebody has that opinion because I don't know how they got to that place. Or 
I've never gone through what they're talking about. And so maybe I don't need to have an opinion on this because it's not something that reflects my experience. What we need to do, and I don't want to get all crunchy granola about this. But, <laughs> please, you know, please do. <laughs> let's just try to step back and think about how our words affect others. And let's think about how, you know, if we just show a little bit more kindness and empathy and understanding about people's perspectives and a little less of a desire to just get that immediate satisfaction of feeling like you hit somebody down or you got a lot of engagement on social media for making a really snarky comment, how many snarky comments actually create change? How many mean tweets actually help families? When we talk about education, I really don't think that a harsh tone is effective in advancing a policy or moving the ball forward, especially when it comes to school choice, because we're talking about the lives of kids. We're not talking about something that can be or should be politicized. Mm -hmm. And so I really do think those of us who work in this movement have an obligation to be very careful about how we approach this because our words have consequences. And if we invest our time in this, we want to invest our time to be helping people. Yeah, absolutely. And I was meeting with a colleague yesterday and we were talking about the work that we do, the work that you do, the work that he does, you know, when you're in whatever we want to call it, school transformation, empowering parents, helping to explain options, you know, I mean, I don't know what the new term is or is going to be new school, future of school. We were talking about guessing what's the number of people that are in this ecosystem that, you know, that understand they have choice or that realize that, you know, even if, and it's not about choice of leaving your school per se, what we've seen through our scholarship winners, these kids actually bring choice to their school. They find programs within the local community college or within a supplemental program and they go to their leader at their school and they say, these are the two classes I really want to take that we don't offer. How can we make this happen? And it's a beautiful thing to watch unfold because I, historically when we hear choice, it's, I think what people within our space is, oh, okay, well, it's about picking a different type of school or leaving your district or going to this other option when the concept of choice has been expanded in what we see to molding traditional schools to fit the needs of kids. And so we were talking yesterday about what percent of people in millions out of the 333 million Americans, what percent are in the space that we work in? And so we, we guesstimated around five to 6 million people who you know, are, are intimately working in this space. It's probably a, a, on the high side. So we were talking about what about the other 328 million people, whether they're parents or not, it doesn't matter. We all wanna live in a society that's healthy, that's productive, that's peaceful, right? So what about the majority? How do we spread these messages to them so that they can start to value education for what it is? So it becomes less about how much you pay in taxes and more about kindness and compassion. Like you said, all of those things, how do we do that? Because that really is, that really is the first step. Well, one of the things that you brought up and I think is so important and this is something that I have said for a long time and School Choice Week has embraced, is the fact that school choice as a concept and also in practice is never or should never be about saying that one type of school 
does not work for all kids and that another type of school is the best fit for every child because that goes against what we as supporters of school choice say, which is that every child is unique, kids are different, and families should be able to choose environments where their kids will thrive, recognizing that what might be a good school for one student is not necessarily going to be the right fit for another. So if you wanna make that argument, which we do, because we want families to not only exercise their choices, but for states, and for districts and for regions to expand the menu of options available, the argument cannot be that families need and deserve choices only because one type of school is somehow a failure. I don't believe that to be the case. And I think that when we reduce our arguments to things like that, we are not being kind. We are also not being accurate. Public education has improved in many ways. And there are many, many excellent public schools out there. I went to some. My mother teaches at them. I I just think that, yes, we need to continually improve all types of schools, but let's stop painting with such a broad brush when it comes to arguing for school choice, because the real reason we need school choice is because every child is unique and kids learn differently. And We have choices in every other aspect of life. Thankfully, we're beginning to have more choices Uh in education, but we still need even more options. So to your first point, that's what I would say is that we have to be a little bit kinder and a little bit more understanding and how we talk about this issue, because how we talk about it is how people hear it. And if people hear that your effort and your policy goal and your mission is somehow at odds with the choices they made for their family, they'll never agree with you. But if they feel included in it, because they are included in it, then they will agree with you. So let's persuade more. When you talk about your big idea, Andrew, I am completely in accord with you. I agree with you. And I think that people would be willing to do it The issue is the awareness. It's an awareness. It's uh, putting a different record on that mental record player where instead of the, when I was in school and had to walk uphill both ways or uh, kids coming home saying, I hate school and people accepting that, you know, whatever it is that we work together to be kinder. When you were talking about your big idea, I kind of envisioned in my mind's eye, this hashtag kinder today movement. There's be kind movements. There's kindness first, but it's like kinder kindness today. If you could distill down into two or three or four steps for our listeners and for the everybody, not just the 320 million who don't work in our space, but every single person in our country, how can they be kinder today? Think first. Those are the two words that I would say before you talk, before you act, before you react, before you get yourself offended, think first. Think first about how your words will affect someone else. Think first if you're going to be persuading someone rather than alienating them. Think first if you're helping someone or just scoring an immediate point. Think first. That to me is essential. And for those of us who work in education, whether we're working to advance school choice and let families know about their options, or whether we're working in individual schools, we have to think first about how the messages we put out there are going to be received by people because we want our words to have 
the best and most broadest impact possible. We want to reach as many people as possible. So think first about how to get that message across. I would also say this, you have to recognize that when it comes to things like social media, negativity is often rewarded by these algorithms more than positivity. And so we have what is a negative feedback loop that tells us that if we say something snarky or something biting or something controversial, that it will get more engagement. We have to put other people before ourselves in recognizing that, yes, we might be able to get more likes and retweets if, or engagement on Facebook or comments on Instagram if we are edgier, but who are we actually helping when we do that? Synthesized with perfection, Andrew. As we wrap up, please share with our listeners where, how, who they find National School Choice Week and how they can help spread the word. Well, thanks, Amy. And I know I've spent the entire time talking about my vision for a kinder approach to addressing education in the United States. I want folks to know I believe that should go always. People who oppose school choice really need to watch what they say a lot because sometimes, in many cases, their language is incredibly incendiary and needs to be kinder. School Choice Week is about positivity. It is about empowering families with the opportunity to choose schools and learning environments that meet their kids' needs, whether it's public, charter, magnet, private, online, or home. We celebrate them all equally. We want people to engage in School Choice Week in a positive way. If you're happy with your child's education and the school you have chosen or the school you've been assigned to, use School Choice Week as an opportunity to celebrate that school and let other families know about it. Thank a teacher or a school administrator. If you are a student, thank your parents for choosing that school and for being engaged in your education and caring about your success and about your future. If you are a family who is considering choosing a new or different school for your child, we want you to use School Choice Week to discover the options out there. And we want you to start now. Don't wait until the spring or summer. If you start now, you'll find you have more choices. And if you are someone out there who's just learning about this issue for the first time, read more about school choice, see some of the testimonials, videos, photos, stories that are out there, and be inspired. Because when families are able to choose their children's education, kids are more likely to succeed, they're more likely to be happy, and they're more likely to contribute to their communities. And that's what we should want for everyone. Andrew, thank you for being here, for sharing your vision and inspiration with our listeners. And I hope everybody takes as closely to heart your messages as I do and as we need to as a society. So thank you. Thank you for listening to Future of School, the podcast. What's your one big idea to transform education? Connect with us on social media or on our website, www.futureof.school to share. And if you're one of our listeners enjoying the podcast on Apple, we hope you'll consider leaving a five-star review to help more people find the show. 